Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. My name is Bob. I'm a compulsive overeater, recreational sugar addict. Um, you know, it's, oh, well, I can start with a safety tip. If you're on blood thinners, don't try to shave before you're about ready to give a speech and then you cut yourself and it won't stop bleeding. That's a safety tip, but that has nothing to do with the program, outside information. Um, so, this program has saved my life. I'll just start by saying that. Welcome to our newcomers. Welcome to everybody that's here. I didn't come to this program till I was 66 years old. Um, next month, God willing, I'll have 11 years in this program of abstinence from my red light foods and especially recreational sugar, which is a miracle in itself. It's supposed to be what it was like, what happened, what is it like now? I can tell you what it was like. It was a disaster. My life was a disaster. I was born with no off switch when it came to food. I was happy as a child, but I was fat. I lived my entire life up from the age of 18 to 66 in fear, self-centered, selfish, I learned in this program that denial is not a river in Egypt um, because I lived my entire life in denial. I had a very successful business career. I had a great family and I was miserable, hating myself 24 hours a day because I could not stop eating and especially recreational sugar, six, eight, 10 times a day. It controlled my life. Um, I can share what this program, what I, I, it got me before I came to this program. And that's some pictures that I will just show up because I'm not competent enough to know how to post them in the chat or anything. But as you can see, um, prior to this program, through rigorous diet and exercise, I got up to 308 pounds. And I mean, every day dieting and exercising. But, you know, what happened was there was never enough food. So if I worked out all day, if, you know, four times, five times, seven times a week, all I did was eat more. Um, my life was a mess. It was miserable. So what happened? Um, I went to a dinner party for one of my employees whose wife was a uh, catering manager for a country club. And there were like, there was tons of food all over because she had all the companies that, you know, deliver food to her for parties, set up all these little stations. So all through the house was all these stations with food. So of course I was gorging myself all night long. And I came to the dessert table, which was probably five feet long filled with all different types of desserts. And I walked over to the dessert table because I certainly wasn't going to miss a dessert. 
And I was standing behind two guys. I was probably 290 at the time, maybe, who knows? I don't, I could have been 500, I don't know. Um, but they were about my size and one was bigger than me and they were getting fresh fruit. And I said, oh, you're not gonna have a dessert. And the one guy said, I haven't had a sugary dessert in 17 years. That's when I got God struck. Because for the first time in my life, I didn't push him out of the way to get to the dessert table. I followed him outside to find out what it was. What was the miracle? What was that miracle pill? What was that miracle diet? What was that one trick that was going to stop me from compulsively overeating? And he said, I'm in a program. I'm in a 12-step program. It's called Overeaters Anonymous. And for the first time in my life, I listened. I sat with him. By the way, that man became my sponsor, still is my sponsor to this day. And I came home. I was very excited, told my wife that night, told my daughter, this is great. I think there's finally a way I can lose weight. This will be great. You know, it's always looking for the miracle. That was on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Friday, I said to my daughter, well, maybe I was going to go to the, this meeting. This, was my home, this is my home meeting. And I have to say that a large percentage of my recovery is because of the people in this room. The fellowship that I've made in Kitchen Sink and Overeaters Anonymous has saved my life. So cut to the chase. I said, maybe I'll go next week. My daughter, and by the way, my family are all normals. There's cookies, cakes, ice cream in this house all the time. We have parties all the time. Desserts are everywhere because they're normal. They can have one. My wife has had chocolate from Valentine's Day that's still in this house. You know, she doesn't have my disease. I have my disease. So I said, eh, maybe I'll go next week. My daughter said, I'll go with you. She took me to my first meeting, kitchen sink. I got struck abstinent at that meeting because when I walked in the doors, what I heard was, I am not weak. I am not sick. I am not a loser. I have a disease. That my disease is not my appetite, my disease is my brain. When it comes to me making decisions on food, I've already lost the ability to make a decision on food. I learned in this program, self-will run riot. That means when I'm thinking about I'm in control of my eating, I've already lost control. So through this program, through the 12 steps, through my sponsor, and mainly through God, I've learned to be accountable for my actions and rigorously honest about what I eat and make the right decisions. Do I do it perfectly? Absolutely not. I'm, I'm rounding out 10 years. You know, God willing, I make it to 11. I still have problem with portion control. I still overeat, but I don't eat my red light foods, and I certainly don't re eat recreational sugar. 11 years, coming up to 11 years. That is beyond a miracle. No one 
no one around me believed I could do that because they saw how insatiable I was around recreational sugar. Um, I have a quick story to tell you. And I said my whole life was diet and exercise before I came to this program. At one time, I was, my wife and I both were going to diet center back when that was the fad in the, I think, early 80s. And I got down to 195 pounds. I was very successful in that short window. And I went to buy a new pair of pants, size 34 waist, and I could feel my hips. Do you know what happened? I got so nervous, I ran out of that store and ate immediately. That's my disease. That's the addict in my brain that constantly is fighting me on my shoulder to tell me that I can have one bite of this. I can have two bites of that. Oh, you didn't have enough for lunch. You should have more for dinner. Oh, the dinner wasn't really enough. Maybe you should have a snack at night. Um, you know, I've learned rigorous honesty. Um, when I joined the program, my sponsor told me five things. Identify your alcoholic foods, the things you can't have just one bite of, and eliminate them. By the way, that process took me two years. Recreational sugar, dropped it immediately. But then I thought, well, the miracle of this, I can eat anything else. It took me two years of meetings, two years of fellowship, two years of readings, two years of 12 steps, and two years of listening to understand, no, 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 you have to be responsible for everything you put in your mouth. Number two, find a higher power to turn your will over and your life over because you can't do this on your own. That I did. God has saved me numerous times prior to bringing me to this program. He saved me. But in this program, I've been diagnosed with cancer. I've been diagnosed with a heart disease. And I'm not eating over it. That's God. It's not me. That's God in this program. Number three, be rigorously honest about what you eat. If it goes in your mouth, report it to me. You know, and part of that story was when I first joined, he had a newcomer that he was working with. And he said, God, this guy went to a Dodger game. He had three Dodger dogs, two beers, a soft serve ice cream, and a bag of peanuts. I said, no, he's not doing too well. And he goes, no, no, it's the exact opposite. If he doesn't tell me what he's eating, I can't help him, which was a great miracle for me. Number four, read the big book. Your story is in there. Just substitute food for alcohol. Uh, and number five, go to meetings, podcasts, literature, make friends in the program because they are the only ones that understand your disease. I've been over 10 years, almost 11 years, 11 years in one month. I've been 10 and some years where my best friends will go out to dinner and they'll say, do you want a dessert? And I'll go, no, I, I can't eat a dessert. Well, I don't understand. Why can't you eat a dessert? You can have bread. I don't understand. Why don't you eat desserts? And I had to explain to a very good friend of mine who should be in the program, who I actually brought to a meeting, who said it was a cult and he wanted nothing to do with it. Um, it's a cult that saved my life, by the way. But I said, 
He said, well, I don't understand. I said, listen, if you have a dessert, you can go home. If I have a bite of that dessert, I'll stop 20 times on the way home to eat. I don't have control. Self will run riot. I learned that I had a disease. That was the biggest thing that really struck with me, that I had a disease and I'm an addict. I heard in this program, someone said, I'm a heroin addict with food. That resonated in me so strong, I couldn't believe it. That was me. That probably still, that is still me. Another guy shared in a meeting, I was born a compulsive overeater. I am a compulsive overeater. I will die a compulsive overeater. One of the fellows right in this program has said a number of times, this is a million dollar program. We get it a nickel at a time. And when I heard keep coming back, I didn't understand it in the beginning. Now I understand what keep coming back is. It's the miracle of the 12 steps, the fellowship and these programs, these meetings that keep us sane. Um, a woman shared a couple of weeks ago, here's what I've learned in OA. A woman shared a couple of weeks ago that she had 32 years, but she said she was felt like a newcomer because she only had one day at a time. And that's the only way I can beat this disease is one day at a time. Um, this I love. My brain is a dangerous neighborhood. If I spend too much time in there, I'll get hurt. And that's the truth. You know, stinking thinking. When I walked in the door, I thought, I don't, what the hell is stinking thinking? I had a successful career. I was successful in business. I have this, I have that. No, no, they weren't talking about that. They were talking about your mind making a decision on what's to eat and what's a normal portion. Uh, a monkey brain can't fix a monkey brain. I have a monkey brain. It's not up to me. It's my higher power. If it was left up to me, I wouldn't last one day. That's the truth. And the minute you think you're in charge of eating, you've already lost control. You've already lost control. Beat yourself with a feather, not a stick. No one is harder on us than we are ourselves. My closest ally in this program, I talk to her every single day. She weighs 104 pounds. We have nothing on the outside in common. On the inside, we have the exact same disease. She's the one that taught me, beat yourself with a feather, not a stick. Uh, and normal people don't not, they haven't got a clue of what our disease is. Um, God can do for me what I can't do for myself. And my disease is doing push-ups every day and waiting for me to make that one mistake. And being of service, I learned this very on, being of service helps me stay sober. I strongly suggest anybody in this program get some kind of a service position, whatever it is, because whatever you do helps you, whatever you do for someone else helps you twice as much. And the real miracle of this program, taught to me by an AA member of 53 years, a dear friend of mine, one is too many, a million is not enough. 
you know, that's the way I lived my disease life. A million wasn't enough. I, there was never enough food. I was listening to, a, I listened to a lot of AA podcasts and they were talking about blackouts and all this other stuff. And I told another fellow, I go, I never had a blackout, never passed out from eating. And then she said, you know, I think what they're talking about is when we're so full, but we can't stop eating. That's our blackout. That was me. So stuffed, could barely breathe. I had to lay down. I couldn't sit up, but I Five couldn't, minutes left. couldn't stop eating. And food controlled my life. Every single moment of it. Thank you. Um, the other things I've learned in this program. It was suggested that I was a drug addict with food. Very true. When I heard halt in this particular meeting in a live meeting, I literally almost fell off my chair. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. That were triggers. That was my entire life. It didn't matter if I was happy, didn't matter if I was sad, nothing in the world could happen that would stop me from eating. Um, I'm responsible for what I eat. I'm responsible for what I put in my mouth. My sponsor explained that to me. And fear, oh my God, I never thought I had fear. I heard that in the beginning of the program, I'm like fear, what the hell are they talking about? I don't have fear. My entire life was run by fear. My entire life. And my disease is always doing push-ups, waiting to pounce on me and be accountable for my actions. That was a big part of it, being accountable for my actions. Somebody posted this in one of the meetings I go to, which I loved, which was the original's first three steps. Realize we were powerless over food and our lives were a mess. We became desperate. I also heard in these meetings, willing to be willing. I didn't understand it at first, but that's basically what it is. Our lives were a mess and we became desperate. Step two, which I love. If we could have, we would have done it. It's impossible for us to do it by ourselves if you're really a compulsive overeater. Number three, had to turn our life over to another compulsive overeater and a higher power to guide us because normal people just don't understand this program. They have no clue. And, you know, it's, I can't say enough about what this program has done for me. It's made me a better man than I ever was. It's made me a better father, a better husband. Do I still have bouts of rage? Do I still have anger? Do I still have issues? Yeah, I certainly do. Have I also got the benefit of having a program and a fellowship and a higher power to talk to when that happens? Yes, I do. Um, you know, there's people on this Zoom call right now that I know if I have an issue, Besides my sponsor, I can pick up the phone and call them. This being of service thing. Three years ago, a fellow who never met, physically have never met the guy, um, made an outreach call to me, which I also highly suggest. 
That's why I make my number next to my name because we can help each other better than anything else. But he made an outreach call to me. We talked and he said, by the way, I do these writings in the morning. It's a Ford today and some other stuff, AA and OA. Um, do you mind if I add you to the list? I said, no, that'd be great. Through that, through service, through that, I now send that to 72 people every morning. People all around the world. 90% of them I've never met. You know, and every once in a while, I'll get a nice response from somebody because anybody who's on that list knows it's a long list. Thank you for clogging up my phone. I appreciate your service, but do me a favor, take me off this list. <laughs> but you know what? I'm doing my part of spreading the message. This is what saved my life. I had no idea I had cancer through a unique accident. I found out I had cancer. You know what? That was God. It wasn't me. That was God intercepting my life with a miracle. Exact same thing for my heart. It was God. God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. And especially in this program. Do I have a healthy body weight? No, I don't. My doctor tells me every single month or every three months when I go to see him that I need to lose weight. I've lost 65 pounds in this program. I wish I was a hundred pounder. I need to be a hundred pounder, but I'm doing the best that I can with my disease. And for the first time in my life, after 10 years, I don't have to buy a new wardrobe, which is insane. You That's know, I, oh, okay. Thank you. And thank you for letting me share. I appreciate it. Please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Elise, I'll blow the name. Yes, Alice. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Alice. Thank you so much for your share. And the question I have is you mentioned about fear of running, you know, just running your life. How have you dealt with that through these years? Um, to well, help yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a food addict. And what I've done is when I realize, and that's not always the case, it takes me a while. But when I realize I'm in fear, I turn it over to my higher power. I talk to my sponsor. I talk to a fellow. Um, and it's, it's crazy to me that for today, which was written so long ago. Every time I'm in a bad situation, I pick up four today and it talks about what I'm going through. It's insanity that that happens. Someone said, I'm in 212 or big book studies. I've read the same chapters two or three times, but they're different to me each time I read them. And someone said to me, that's because you're a different person now. That's why, you're, that's why they're different to you. So I have to acknowledge it, I have to turn it over, and I have to talk about it. That's, that's what I do. Hopefully that answers your question. Beth. Um, hey, Bob, thank you so much for your share. It just really uh, touched me so many ways, so many times this morning. Um, and um, my question is, can you uh, explain what you mean by recreational sugar and how that 
might differ from, um, I know. Right. It, I, I still yeah. put, I still can take a sugar packet and put it in my iced tea and it doesn't drive me insane. Candy, cakes, cookies, pies, ice cream, those kind of things. There, it's impossible for me to have one bite. Uh, a dear friend of mine a couple of weeks ago said he was golfing with his partner and he, his partner stopped to get a, um, uh, a protein bar and he got two Snicker bars, two Snickers bars. And my friend looked at him and said, the thing that drove me the craziest is he ate one, but he only ate half of the other one. That's a compulsive overeater. You know, it's when you see somebody take one bite of chocolate and then put it away. I can't do that. Thank you. Bonnie? Hi, Bonnie. That was that was amazing. That was so helpful. Thank you so, so much. Um, so so you explain recreational sugar and I'm guessing I know, but I don't really know what are your like, what are red light foods? Well, the red light foods are me are, you know, I heard in this program, it's something you can't eat like a lady. Um, I didn't understand that because I didn't know how a lady ate uh, because I was a compulsive overeater. But I understood that one is too many, a million is not enough. Once there's that trigger goes, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, whatever that food is, you got to move it to the side. Uh, I have a sponsee who's um, a uh, vegan, and she said, I went to the store the other day and I saw sugar-free, vegan, uh, gluten-free cheesecake. And she said, I stood in front of it for 10 minutes thinking I probably could have one bite, one little piece. But then she realized, no, I'm a compulsive overeater. It's impossible. That's what I would call red light foods. Does that answer your question? Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, Anna. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much. That was awesome. Um, question, two questions maybe if you have the time to answer them. Um, one is how do you cultivate your spiritual consciousness or your concept of your higher power? Uh, and two is um, when you do your 10th step, how do you usually do it? So two things. I wish I could, I'll start with the second one. I okay. wish I did a 10 step every day. I don't. But during the day, I do form the responsibility of what my actions are. If I'm out of line on something, it quickly comes to me and I realize it. Uh, a fellow on this program right now said to me a couple of months ago, my first thought is my thought. The second thought is God's. I have to remember that because I still am full of rage and anger. You know, that's, that's my disease. The first thought can be my thought. The second thought has to be God's thought. Um, and now, of course, I forgot the first question. Um, <laughs> how, how do you, um, how are you? Um, what oh, my is spiritual connection. Yeah, how are you expanding that concept? All right. So when I was two years old, I fell out of a second story window onto a cement driveway. They thought I was, I should have been dead. It's impossible that a baby can fall 40 feet onto a cement driveway and not be dead. At the hospital, they said he must have been caught by angels. 
So I developed a spiritual connection at a very young age. I misused God until this program because it was always asking, hey, can you do this for me? And I'll do, I'll be better if you, you know, all that insanity. I went to church and all these other things as a kid, but I never really had a spiritual connection. When I got into this program, I realized I needed a higher power. And for me, that was God. Whoever, you know, whether it's the guy in the sky with the beard, whoever it is, it's somebody a lot bigger than me, but I believe in that supreme being. And as I said, I would have never known about my cancer if it wasn't for that accident. I would have never known about my heart disease if I didn't go to a routine physical, just a routine checkoff physical pre-op that discuss, and that's God. It's not me. You know, it's God. I on my own could not do this, this program. It is impossible because I'm still a compulsive overeater. I'm still a food addict. But every day, one day at a time, I get that reprieve. And it's because of my higher power and this fellowship. I hope that answers your question. Do you have like a daily practice you do, Bob? Yeah, I do these readings every morning, which is very good because it starts my day at 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the morning and sending them out. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts. I, I used to listen to podcasts every day when I ate lunch, when I was working, because um, it, it made me realize you, are, you have a disease. You on your own have a disease. You can't eat normally by yourself. You have to be, I have to have a connection to this program. And as I said, I pray a lot. I mean, the serenity prayer gets me through. I was under going under, under a surgery a few weeks ago. And I remember before they knocked me out, I kept saying the serenity prayer. It was like, you know, that's, I've got to calm myself down. Because on my own, I can't calm myself down. Hopefully that answers your question. Yes, Ellie, thank you. Thank you. Ellie. Hi, Bob. Good to see you. Thank you so much for your share. You touched on it a little bit uh, with the last question, but I would like to know uh, there are people who are agnostic or atheist. If they're new to the program and they say, but I don't believe in God, what, how would you respond? What would you tell them? Thank you, Ellie, because that, that's a great question. And that's an important question. I've heard uh, one of our dearest allies in this program say it's peace and love. I've heard people talk about the ocean. I've heard people talk about, you know, one of the things this program gave me was the ability to stop and smell the roses, to walk outside and look at all the natural beauty that's around me. I heard a great cynic who doesn't believe in God, who's an atheist say, every once in a while, I have to stop and look at the sky and look at the mountains and look at the trees and look at the rivers and go, yeah, somebody did this. You know, it's, 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 so I think you have to turn it over to a power greater than yourself, whatever that power is. For me, it was easy. It was God. But I have many friends in this program who are atheists, and they found a connection with 
the ocean with something of power greater than themselves. And, and yes, I, I should have clarified that, you know, um, I love our dear friend who says it's peace and love because that's the easiest way to bring it all down. This program gives a compulsive overeater a calmness from that insanity that's running around. I mean, when that woman shared in this meeting, a monkey brain can't fix a monkey brain. I had to write that down because that's the minute I start to process that self will run riot. I always think I'm in charge. I always think I have a better answer. I always think I'm smarter, you know, than this program. And every time I try that, I fail miserably, you know, Hopefully that answers your question. I think we have time. We have, I can't see a thing, I'm blind. One more minute. So we have, or no, we have oh, six we have, minutes, six, six minutes. Anybody else have a question? Ah, Deb, thank you. Hi, Bob, thanks. Can you talk about how your relationships have changed, you know, with your family or those outside of your family from, you know, before programs now? Um, without being too blunt, the word a-hole brings up a big part of it. Uh, that was me. I mean, I was so self-centered, so selfish that I came first on everything. So I've made amends to my wife, amends to my daughter, embarrassing her, going to her she was a tennis junior tennis player and college tennis player and going to her matches. I looked like a, a, a monkey, like a bear. I was so big. It was, it, it, I was embarrassing. And I did not care about anybody else but myself. So I've had to repair those relationships. I've made a lot of amends to people that I felt that I used or was abusive to because of my disease. So I think it's 100% better today. I'm a better man today than I was yesterday. Part of my prayer and meditation on a daily basis is God make me a better man tomorrow than I am today. That's all I can ask. Um, this is, again, what I heard in this program is there is no graduation. That's another part of this program that came from the same fellow that said, it's a million dollar program. You get it a nickel at a time. I am changing daily, not, you know, and somebody else in, a, in our Monday night meeting, somebody else said, I don't count years, I count days, because all I've got is one day at a time. That, that struck with me. And apparently there's an OA calculator that allows you to do that, to change your years to days. Hopefully that answered your question. Vincent. All right. Thank you, Bob. Thanks for your wonderful share. I have a question. Um, in the big book, it talks about being happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> uh, can you talk about that? Has that happened in your life? And uh, what do you have to say about your freedom and your happiness at this point in time? Uh, work in progress. You know, the other part in this bit that says progress, not perfection. I'm, yes, I am happy, joyous, and free. On a daily basis, because I like to beat myself with a stick, not a feather. You heard me say, I wish I was a hundred pounder. 
not a 65 pounder. You know, I'm constantly comparing when I hear somebody share that's a hundred pounder, I think I'm a loser. I think I'm failing at my program. I have to immediately adjust my thinking. But overall, am I happy, joyous, and free? Absolutely. I'm free of the obsession. That's the biggest thing. I'm happy to be alive. I'm 77 years old. This program has given me the gift of life. There's no way if I would have continued my eating, I would be alive today. And I'm free. Yeah. I, I mean, are happy, joyous, and free. Yes. I'm free of the disease that clutched me for so many years. I can sit in front of a bowl of candy. And I know my sponsor told me early on, that's not your food. It can be in your house. That's not your food. You can't eat it. And you know what? God removed that obsession from me. Now, a woman shared in this program a long time ago in one of our face-to-face -face meetings that she was a compulsive overeater and her husband and her would get a large pizza and she would eat seven pieces. And she goes through progress. I got it down to two pieces, but that took two years, you know? So it's progress, not perfection. Every single day I'm working on being happy, joyous, and free but I still got a disease in me. I have to remember that disease is never going to leave me. You know, and when I hear people share, oh, food doesn't call me anymore. I think, well, that's not me, you know, because there's other foods that call me. I just have to be responsible for my actions. I have to be accountable for my actions. I hope that answers your question. And, I think we, oh no, yeah, we have one minute. Does anybody have a one minute question? Ah, I saw a hand. Well, I, I'm not even gonna try this one. Faraba? Hi. Hi. Share. I was wondering, do you, have you lost that urge to be a normie? To be like, what? A normie. Um, Somebody told me 25 years in the program, they're still looking for the magic pill. Um, I think I've come to realize um, that I'll never be normal. So I, I, I don't have that desire to try to be a normie because I could never be normal. I know that I have a disease, that my disease is waiting for that one moment, um, you know, for me to break. That's the, that's the disease I have, and I'm very aware of it. So um, am I desirous of normal actions around all foods? That I'm very normal for. But I also realize in this program that I can't do that on my own. I will never be able to do that on my own. I know for one thing, I will never be able to eat recreational sugar again in my life. You know, my daughter's wedding, I didn't have any of the cake. We have a lot of family members. Every time there's a party, there's all kinds of desserts. That's I, know, I know that's not my food. Thank you for letting me share. <laughs>